Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, March 14th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and wishing everyone a happy Pi Day as we get an eight-game slate to bite into on a packed Tuesday evening. As always, though, before we get going right into the slate, make sure that you get yourself onto sportsethos.com, get yourself signed up with that DFS pass, so not only do you get access to what is always an incredibly useful live injury report, but you get access to our DFS deliveries, all that hard work that our writers put through in, day in and day out, to get you the best and most informed decisions that you can make as far as your DFS lineups are concerned, and of course, access to our discord where you can go ahead and ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to see just what is going to make that final difference when you are putting your lineups together but let's jump right into it as i go solo on this one today as you said eight games happening a number of them with some pretty high totals some pretty close spreads so we could be in for a relatively exciting night as far as matchups are concerned and we're going to have to see just how our lineups are going to reflect that the first game of the night is going to be a replay of what we just had a couple of days ago cleveland taking on charlotte except this time in charlotte a 223 and a half total with the cleveland cavaliers favored to win by seven and a half as far as injuries are concerned it's really just jared allen that continues to be out for the cleveland cavaliers while kelly Oubre, who was previously listed as questionable has been upgraded to probable for this game so likely seeing him on the floor for this one as far as exposure, really the key areas that I'm looking at here has been pretty much where I've been looking for the last little while with Cleveland especially. Uh, Darius Garland continues to be just too cheap for my liking. He's in fact dropped down below that 8,000 mark and this is coming off a game where he just faced Charlotte put up 45.5 DK points in that one and he is down to 7,900 in this one. Definitely a guard that I am going to be targeting heavily in a matchup where everyone and their mother knows Charlotte's defense is not going to be able to contain mostly anyone, but specifically Terrius Garland and his shiftiness. That speed has just been too much for someone like a Terry Rozier to be able to stay in front of. So I expect that he has the ceiling to be able to put 5.5 to 6x on his value there. And at the same time, Karis Levert continues to get kind of mid to high 30s as far as his minutes are concerned last two games here now not necessarily the same kind of ceiling as uh, you know obviously a Garland or one of these other guards but at 5,000 a guy who's going to be playing the minutes likely gets double digit shot attempts and if he can get his efficiency back to levels we were seeing kind of slightly earlier in the uh, in the month of February then I think we can be looking at a pretty decent night for him as well with a kind of floor in that low to mid 20s which is great for him being able to hit 5x and if he has a decent shooting night he could easily get himself into the 30s as well. As far as the Charlotte side of things are concerned, there's really only one major area that I'm looking at here, and that's in the front court for them. Both uh, Nick Richards and P.J. Washington are in pretty good spots here to do well for their price. Nick Richards is likely to be a pretty popular pick given how he's had three straight games where he's absolutely dominated his, uh, his value and altogether just been playing really good basketball. And his price has taken a bit of a jump as a result, up to 5000 now, but still more than enough upside, in my opinion, to be able to get back into the 30s that he has been doing consistently since he's gotten his minutes closer to that 30-minute mark there. And I expect that in this matchup where Cleveland obviously has Evan Mobley a little bit more of that size in the front court, 
they're going to need him there. While P.J. Washington is in just a situation where he is just gunning away. He is going to be alongside Terry Rozier, the leading shot takers on this team. And his problem is whether his efficiency is going to be able to allow him to obviously do a lot better than what his price tag shows. Because we've seen that on a decent shooting night, he can get himself into the 40s as far as DK points are concerned. But a floor in that kind of low to mid 30s is pretty safe for how important he is to the Charlotte offense at the moment. So a pretty safe pick, maybe not the sexiest GPP pick out there, but for someone looking for a cash play, definitely looking at him over there. Moving on to the second game of the night, which is the Detroit Pistons going into the Washington Wizards ground to take on a 222.5 matchup with the Wizards favored to win by 11.5 on this one. Now, there are a number of outs and questionable statuses here, especially on the Detroit side. That's going to really determine where we look at our players here today. But first and foremost, we knew that Jaden Ivey, who had been ruled out on Monday with that, his COVID protocols, it is uh, likely that he is going to be sitting out for this game as well, although we don't know that for sure. So we're going to have to wait and out and see what that what that ends up uh, occurring over there. On the other hand, Marvin Bagley is confirmed to be out, while uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, has, who had also been ruled out for the Monday with his Achilles, uh, he is uh, likely to not see the floor on the Tuesday as well, but we're going to have to see. In fact, there's questions about whether he gets shut down for the rest of the season. Isaiah Stewart and Hamido Diallo are, in fact, out as well. So lots to think about from that side there. While on the Washington side, it's really just Kyle Kuzma being questionable for this game with some knee soreness, and we'll see if he can get himself onto the floor for this one. As far as exposure is concerned, what we have really seen with Jaden Ivey being out and you know Killian Hayes obviously not getting the kind of minutes that we had been seeing earlier in the season, it's been that good old Dwayne Casey favorite of Corey Joseph finding himself back into fantasy relevance. Now, his price is up to 5300 which... You know, it takes a little bit of the sheen off the upside that we've been seeing as of late, but he has been consistently in the mid-20s and had all the way up to a 40 DK point night in that last game against Indiana. So for a price that's a pretty solid price for a guy who's likely going to be playing 30 plus minutes and has been taking quite a bit of that offensive load since Jaden Ivey's been out, I expect that we're looking at a pretty decent night for him once again. While at the same time, on the front court side of things, I think there's a couple of potential upside options here. Now, the issue is you can never know with Dwayne Casey just who they are going to be spending the most amount of time with as far as the front court is concerned. He is always kind of up and out there, but I do like Jalen Duran a little bit more than Isaiah Livers. I see that he has a bit more offensive upside in general, and despite not playing a lot of minutes in the last two games, has found himself to be very productive, not only in pure point scoring to get himself into double digits, but he racks up rebounds in a hurry, almost getting a rebound for every two minutes that he's on the floor. So it's a pretty good prospect, I think a good GPP dark throw to be able to get there, because Jalen Duran on a decent night can get you into the mid-30s, if not all the way up into the 40 DK points mark. So it's worth taking that uh, kind of a shot, depending on how your lineup's working out, given the fact that we are going to be talking about some other kind of more expensive options that come up. So he may be one that fits into your lineup as a result. On the Washington side of things, this is where we do start talking a little bit more about potential options on the expensive side that could be of interest to you. Both Porzingis and Beal, sitting in that 8,000-ish mark, have a pretty decent shot to have a good night here. The only concern, again, not wanting to game script too much, is how many minutes they are going to play and how many minutes they're going to be needed to play in a matchup against the Pistons team that's pretty much 
kind of running what would be the equivalent of a G League team out there. So whether they'll actually need to play kind of their regular allotment of you know 30 to 34 minutes to actually get there, that's the question because if they do, I expect that they're actually going to smash their value over here. Both of them have the upside to be able to drop 50 in this matchup here. Porzingis especially should take advantage of a front court that just does not have the size to be able to stay with him. And then, of course, his ability to stretch out the floor just causes all that much more mayhem with everything else that goes there. So I do like him a little bit more than Beal, but I think they're both very, very solid options over there. Moving on to the 7.30 game, and one that I'm excited to be at today, Denver coming into Toronto to take on the Raptors, who are coming off a five-game road trip. Not the greatest of results for them, going 1-4 and four in that, so they're definitely going to be looking for redemption here. Looking at a 226.5 game total at the moment, with the Raptors favored to win by one. So a very close matchup expected for this one. As far as injuries are concerned, Jamal Murray is questionable for this game. He did uh, leave the previous game against Brooklyn a little bit early with a bit of knee soreness, and we're going to see if he actually makes himself available for this game here, while Reggie Jackson is in fact probable. And for what we haven't uh, seen for much of the season, but it seems to be happening for the last couple now, the Raptors do seem to be all systems go as far as their health is concerned. Now, we're speaking about a 226.5 total. We're speaking about the Nuggets and Raptors being a game that is expected to be super tight. And Jamal Murray, if he is in fact out, I am going to be all in on the Joker for this game. We saw him be a little bit more passive in that last matchup that they had against the Raptors and earlier on in the month of March, where even though he didn't put up many shots, only took eight shots in that game, still was able to find himself up to nearly 50 DK points just on the back of all of his regular ancillary stats. I expect that he'll be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive side here. And in the last two games where he's put up 24 and 23 field goal attempts respectively, that has just been leading to absolutely monstrous video game-like numbers in the two there. And his price tag, which is in that sub-12,000 range, I think he has the upside to be able to put 65-plus on a game that does stay close. The Raptors, as much as I love them, will have no answers uh, for him in the front court there. Jakob Pertl has you know, historically not done all that well against Jokic, and the fact that Jokic can be out there on the floor and stretch him out as well just makes it that little bit more interesting there. But I do expect that this is going to be a very interesting matchup in general, and Jokic is going to be the chief architect to be able to look at here. So definitely my favorite spend-up on the slate, and we'll see how that actually works out. And on the other side of things... If uh, Jamal Murray is out, then I do expect that we're going to see a lot of Bruce Brown minutes because he just happens to slot in to a number of different positions that works out there, and he's likely going to see a big minutes total in this game. And not the sexiest of picks again, 5,100, probably is a pretty safe 5x option for you, so cash games, definitely want to put them uh, put Bruce Brown on your radar with that, but he does still give you that little bit of upside on the GPP side of things as well and can get you into the 30 DK points night if he can get his shot going, especially from the corner where he'll get, I would expect, a few options and a few opportunities to be able to go ahead and take advantage of that. On the Raptor side of things, this is a similar situation to what I was speaking about with Washington earlier. I do think the two top guys here having their price tag be a little depressed given the fact that their uh, road trip wasn't necessarily the most productive on their individual stat line basis will be looking to get themselves back on the mark at home. 
Both Siakam and Van Vliet sitting at 8,600 and 8,400 respectively are in great position to be able to go ahead and beat that. I think Siakam especially is going to be looking to get himself back on the good side of things after a road trip where he did struggle pretty mightily uh, overall well below kind of what we had expected uh, up until now but you know still able to put up those popcorn numbers but the efficiency was way down and his uh, shot from outside was also uh, way down from what we expect as well so hopefully he can get himself back on the mark while Fred on the other hand who did have a great game against Denver in the one that uh, they had earlier in the uh, earlier in this month of March was able to put up about 48 DK points on that one was much more of a passer in that game really taking advantage of the uh, pick and roll opportunities that were available and I expect passing is going to be the key here again to try and break down a Denver defense that can be pretty pretty dogged if we're trying to take them on one-on-one so we'll see what that kind of leads into but if I'm looking to spend up that's where I'm kind of looking at for both of those while I do think a good GPP dart throw is Gary Trent getting himself back into the good graces of not only his own shooting but also with the coach coming off a zero of nine shooting night against the Lakers and both of those uh, games in LA were just absolute stinkers for him but his price tag is absolutely nosedived to 4400 and I don't see him having too much trouble with being able to get minutes if he can get his shot going to the level that it had been for you know good little bit and his home stats have been pretty consistent in comparison to uh, some of the ups and downs we've been seeing on the away side so we'll see what he can go ahead and do over here but I do expect that we will see him get back to something decent here and at 4400 well worth the risk over there Next game of the night, Brooklyn going into OKC to take on the Thunder, a 233 total, and looks like another close one here. The Thunder favored to win by one and a half points. As far as injuries are concerned, it's really just the uh, good old news with Ben Simmons not playing until Lord knows when, while OKC with their regular rotation is all systems go. On the Brooklyn side of things over here, we have seen Spencer Dinwiddie just have a bunch of absolutely crazy games three of the last four being 50 plus on here and his price tag still remains in that sub 8,000 mark so I think it's a good kind of pivot to me if I'm looking at Darius Garland and I'm looking at Spencer Dinwiddie today that I may have kind of split exposure between them because I think that both of them are in a great spot to be able to go ahead and continue doing the good work that they've been doing there while uh, from a shooting guard perspective I do like Mikael Bridges just in general I think his price tag is you know back in that below sub 8,000 area there which he was absolutely destroying late in late in February and early in March, but uh, he's seen a little bit of regression just from a field goal percentage perspective. But nothing to nothing to worry about, I'd say overall. And I think he still has that upside to be able to drop 40 plus on on any given night, just given how important he is now to a Brooklyn offense that needs everything that he can give. And for them still being in a position to. Uh, really push as far as uh, Brooklyn's play-in and playoff uh, hopes are concerned. They're going to keep uh, kind of running him out there, keep running his offense as much as they can, and I expect that that is going to be a big night for him. While on the OKC side over here, uh, again, we're looking at a lot of kind of spend-up options here that are absolutely viable. I will say, as much as I like Shea anytime he's under 10,000 here, and I do expect that he will probably have a good game, I just think that given some of the other guards that we've spoken about so far that have kind of a little bit more kind of points per, per uh, salary value ratio that we're talking about here, a lot more upside, I think that Shea could probably draw 50 on this night, and he's not going to be a bad pick by any means for the price there. But 
on an eight game slate, you're looking for that little edge. You're looking for that guy that could put you above and beyond over the top and have a six X plus night. And I don't necessarily see that being this night for Shea Gilgis Alexander. And it's why I'll probably have a little bit of exposure to him, but a lot less than I would have in a probably smaller slate where this price tag would be something that I would absolutely jump over. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. We're halfway through here going into the next one, the Lakers taking on the Pelicans in a 226 game total. And it seems like this is just a trend now. The Pelicans favored to win by one at home. So yet another coin flip matchup over here. On the Lakers side, LeBron continues to be out while Anthony Davis is probable for this game. So as much as he's questionable pretty much every game that he comes in, he is uh, likely to be able to go ahead and play. While on the Pelican side of things, Brandon Ingram continues to be uh, questionable on his side. We'll see if he gets onto the floor. Zion is obviously going to be out, and you know, who knows when he's coming back. And the rest of their regular rotation is looking pretty decent over there. Well, starting off on the Lakers side here, there's really that one guy that I'm targeting super heavily here, and it goes back to that same guards in the 7,000 range that have so much upside in this matchup. D'Angelo Russell at 7,100 has been a man on a mission since he got that trade over back to the Los Angeles Lakers, the team that drafted him in two games since he's really been on fire with them. 10 of 17, 13 of 19 from the field, dropping nearly 50 DK points in the first one and nearly 55 in the second. So his price tag is definitely going to start to really bump up over there, but we haven't seen that massive jump just as of yet, 60, from 6,900 in the last one, all the way up to 7,100 now, which isn't too, too bad. I am definitely going to have super, super heavy interest in him, both in cash and GPP. I think the Lakers are going to continue to do everything that they possibly can to be able to get that uh, play-in spot for themselves, uh, looking like they may have a pretty good opportunity to do so. And if uh, Anthony Davis and D'Angelo Russell keep playing at the level that they have been for the last uh, couple of games now, we may very well see some of that, you know, try and do what they can to keep them afloat until LeBron is able to get back on the floor there. So 7,100, definitely lots of interest there. Anthony Davis at 10.8 is a pretty good cash play. I think he'll probably get uh, somewhere in the mid-50s as far as DK points are concerned, but just not enough upside for me in a GPP uh, in a GPP slate of eight games with quite a few other options for me to really be having too much exposure to him. Maybe, maybe a lineup or two just for that uh, coverage on my side. On the Pelican side of things, I have much less interest over here. I think most of these guys are pretty well-priced where they are. Now, CJ has historically had some pretty good games against the Lakers. In fact, three games in this season, he's averaging nearly 46 DK points over there. So definitely not the worst play of the night if you want to be a little contrarian and go ahead and take him versus those trifecta of 7,000 guards that we've spoken about so far. But I would say he's probably in that same kind of position where cash is okay for him, but GPP less so, while the rest of the guys I'm just going to continue to kind of avoid until their price tags make me jump out and take them. On to Orlando, going into San Antonio to take on the Spurs, a 232.5 game total, 5-point spread for the Orlando Magic. Looking at the Magic themselves, it's really Franz Wagner that we're waiting on in terms of a full confirmation as to whether he is going to play or not. He was uh, injured in the last game where it was sad because he was having a very solid game against the Miami Heat in 29 minutes and already just dropped 38 DK points, and I was very ready to be able to go ahead and have him as a recommendation because he's finally getting back to the offensive 
offensively gifted really Franz Wagner we have seen very efficient and ability and the ability to be able to contribute in so many ways so keeping an eye out on that questionable status because 6400 against the Spurs team that is absolutely just either destroyed by injuries shut people down or plain and simple tanking for next season are not going to be worried too too much about what's happening in that perspective there and I expect that Wagner would have a good night that being said if he is out we've seen Jalen Suggs have two great games he continues to trend up from a guard usage standpoint it seems he has kind of overtaken Cole Anthony as that uh, second guard alongside Markel Fultz at least from an offensive standpoint even if the minutes are kind of being equally divvied up between them and I do think at 5200 he has a lot of upside that shooting guard eligibility helps as well where you can go ahead and slot him into a bunch of different spots on your lineup itself so definitely a guy to keep an eye out on and uh, could be one of the GPP kind of picks of the night ones you can blow things up if he does happen to have that great game so keep an eye out for lock 8 p.m eastern time start for this one so we do have a little bit of time to get that to confirmation as far as franz wagner is concerned but a guy to keep on your radar regardless on the spurs side of things as you said there's just so much uh, uncertainty as far as what their rotation is looking like but from a guard's perspective, we know that both Trey Jones and Malachi Branham are confirmed to be out for this game, which means that Devontae Graham is going to get all the minutes and all the run and all the offense that he can handle, which, as much as I don't like his real-life game, not very efficient, takes a lot of bad decisions from a shooting perspective, he is going to be in a uh, in a spot where he's likely going to get those high teens as far as field goal attempts are concerned, and that just gives him so much opportunity to be able to easily beat that 5,000 mark. He's going to be a GPP darling tonight, likely to be pretty heavily picked. So you definitely want to have a, a finger on the pulse over there and have a little bit of exposure to him. Uh, we've seen that when he can have a decent shooting night, he can get into the mid to high 30s, if not 40, as far as DK points are concerned. So for that price tag, definitely something to keep an eye on over there. And as much as Devin Vassell has been having you know a little bit of a tough time of it since he came back from his two-month-long injury... Uh, his minutes are starting to rack up and get back to have that normal uh, low to mid-30s that we had expected throughout the season. And I expect that that's going to stay the case now that he is back kind of starting as expected. Now, his shooting numbers have still got to come around, but we already saw earlier in the season when he was consistently dropping really, really solid mid to mid to high 30s on DK point nights that maybe 6,100 on, on this night with a matchup that, you know, with the Orlando Magic being that uh, smaller, faster team, might be one where Devin Vassell can kind of get himself back up to speed with where we expect. So something to keep an eye on. I may have him as a bit of a contrarian pick for myself as well. And that shooting guard eligibility for a guy who's a pretty heavy ball handler does help on that aspect as well. Moving into the late night side of things, the last two games of the night, the first one being Milwaukee going into Phoenix to take on the Suns, a 232.5 game total. So another one of those low 230 games, which we've seen. The Milwaukee Bucks favored to win by 1.5, so another coin flip game as well. So a lot of really close ones here. As far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned, Chris Middleton, who had a great night in that last game against the Sacramento Kings, is likely to sit out for this back-to-back. -back. He's been doing that uh, this entire season so far, and nothing that we have uh, heard is saying otherwise. So I would expect that despite him being listed as questionable for this game, he's likely not going to get himself onto the floor for this one. So that opens up that little bit more opportunity for the rest of that starting lineup to get a little bit more offense on their side. But again, 
As far as who it is that you want to target over here, Milwaukee's price tags have really been seeing uh, an uptick over the last couple of games as people have really been having a couple of monster nights, including Brooke Lopez all the way up to 7,700, Drew Holiday at 9,100, both of those. I mean, I'd like them in a vacuum, but not for that price, so I'll probably not have too much exposure there. Giannis, though, at 12,000 is an interesting uh, caveat over here. One because Phoenix is one of those matchups that Giannis has always gotten himself up for. It's obviously the site of uh, the team he beat for his first and only championship so far. He himself coming off a monster game against Sacramento. And if, with it being a close game, you'll know that Giannis is likely going to get to play anywhere between his regular kind of 32 to 34 minutes, which is really all he needs to be able to absolutely destroy most of the time his salary, given how efficient and how quick he is in terms of points per minute from a fantasy perspective. So 12,000 is between him and Jokic for me. Uh, I do think that Jokic is still the guy that I'll target a little bit more, especially if Jamal Murray is uh, ruled out here. But in terms of my spend-ups, Absolutely keeping both of those in the radar there for me. Probably have a little bit of a split exposure between the two and see who happens to be the one to lead me to the promised land for this one. While on the Phoenix side, really it's back to that 7,000 mark over there. I think both Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton are in a position to do quite well on this night. Chris Paul, for his own side, has uh, Milwaukee, where earlier in the season he played about 40 minutes in that game as well. This is These are games where he's going to be playing more minutes. It's going to be a closer game. It's going to be a game against a uh, team that is a uh, you know contender for them, someone that they will uh, be looking at potentially if they can do what they hope to do as far as the playoffs are concerned as someone they could see in a well, potential finals rematch. Who knows? But... It is a back-to-back -back as far as Phoenix is concerned, so that is the only kind of caveat to that for an older Chris Paul, whether you want to uh, put too much uh, faith into kind of his, uh, his body and his capability to be able to get there. Having said, I do think DeAndre Ayton is a pretty solid pick regardless. Uh, he's in a position where, one, uh, the Milwaukee front court is going to be an interesting matchup for him. Him and Brooke Lopez have had uh, quite a few really good deals over the last uh, last couple of games now. But DeAndre Ayton, to his credit, has done quite well in that matchup, averaging a pretty solid kind of 20 and 10 in those games there and continuing to be efficient. Coming back on two games where he's been in the mid-40s as far as DK points are concerned and his uh, starting to see more of those field goal attempts kind of go up. And as far as... You know, as far as Kevin Durant remains out, he's going to be that much more important to that front court and to that team uh, to be able to kind of give a little bit of a different look because you know Milwaukee's going to be crowding Devin Booker as much as possible. So DeAndre Ayton's going to need to be that guy to be able to provide that release valve that uh, Phoenix will so badly need. And at 7,400, definitely one of my favorite centers as far as this slate is concerned. Final game of the night, the New York Knicks going into Portland to take on the Trailblazers. A 228 total on this one with the Knicks favored to win by two and a half. Uh, Jalen Brunson continues to be uh, questionable for this game and in fact is unlikely to actually suit up. So we're going to be seeing another kind of big minutes night for Emmanuel quickly there. While on the Portland side of things, both uh, Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant are listed questionable for this game. So lots to keep an eye out over there because if that is the case and Lillard is in fact held out, then I do have quite a bit of interest in the remaining backcourt of the Portland Trailblazers. But my initial kind of looks as far as exposure is concerned are from the New York side. Even though Emmanuel quickly has been playing pretty well as a starter, obviously had those two uh, big games, one against Boston and one against the Clippers kind of in this month. Uh, at the same time, 
he also has that tendency to have the stinker. So it's kind of been very much a roller coaster ride there. So he has a 72 DK points game, he's had a 49 DK points game, and then in between that he's had a 24, a 13, and a 25. So he's definitely not someone to rely on from a uh, cash games perspective, but GPP, definitely a dart throw if he can have another monster night, if he can get his offense going. Someone that you may want to potentially think about and another one of those guards to throw into that 7,000 range mix. I do like RJ Barrett a little bit more though, and that's price tag being $100 less does not hurt either. He's been having a very solid month really since uh, uh, since March started. And in the last five games, only one game in which he had a dud against the Clippers where really uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't the greatest of games for him from an offensive perspective. But the rest of it, despite him not necessarily shooting all that well, the volume continues to be there. And the ancillary stats have been surprisingly good for him as well, where he's averaged over 40 DK points in those four games in the rest of the month of March. So I do like him as a small forward pivot, given the fact that we don't have too many small forwards that I'm really, really excited about in this matchup here. I might see myself getting a little bit more exposure to him at that 7,000 mark and also to get some of that late night hammer action as well. While on the Portland side, going back to what I'm saying about Lillard and Grant, if they're out, then Anthony Simons is definitely going to be on the radar pretty heavily for me. We've already seen that this guy in the New York matchup earlier in the season was just monstrous, 54 DK points in that one. But if he shifts over to that point guard role and now is gonna be that primary ball handler, his assist total from his four assists a game in the season otherwise jumps up to about six to seven at that time. So likely a position where he's gonna be dropping 20 plus real points, probably get six to seven assists and then a couple of those uh, rebounds and, and ancillary stats to kind of boost the rest of it up gives him a pretty, pretty solid floor to be able to work from. And we, we saw a little bit of that upside in that Philly game where in just 29 minutes, he was able to drop nearly 43 DK points. And if Lillard is out, I am hopeful of him having a similar night from that perspective there as well. So definitely someone to keep an eye on pretty heavily leading into that last game of the night. That does bring us to the end of that eight-game slate. So congrats for bearing with me all the way through. There's lots of, of potential options here and lots of ways that you can pivot your lineup. But let's also talk about the Thrive Fantasy side of things. So if we are looking at some of the out of options over here, there's a few that really do jump out at me. Uh, going back to that Detroit-Washington game, I do think Bradley Beal is in a position to get himself back uh, from a pure offensive standpoint. And a 22.5 pure points total is a pretty solid one for me as far as Bradley Beal is concerned. I do think he should be able to get to the mid-20s as far as that matchup is concerned. Again, not very much defense on the on the Detroit side right now with the lineup that they are running there. And even if it is going to be just you know three, three and a half quarters of him actually needing to play, I do think his offense is going to be more than enough to get him over that. So 22 and a half points for him to go over that for 95 points. I like that one. Uh, same thing with Siakam, going back to him uh, getting back on the home court, uh, getting back into a better rhythm as far as his pure offensive game is concerned, and I do think today is going to be that night. 34.5 points and rebounds combined for him to go over that is a juicy 110, which is my second. And then finally, going back to what I was just speaking about with Anthony Simons, if that Damian Lillard news is what we are thinking it might be with him being questionable, for him to go 25.5 on his points and assists, I'm going to be happy to jump on the over on that one, take a shot on him having a big offensive night and being more of that primary ball handler. I think that prop is one that you would be feeling pretty good to be able to take on this slate.
That brings us to the end of all of it. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can talk to me about which of these 7,000 range price guards are the ones that you are looking to target. Is it going to be Spencer Dinwiddie? Is it going to be Darius Garland? Or is it going to be D'Angelo Russell? Or maybe even some of these other ones that we've spoken about here. Lots and lots of options to be able to look at today. But as always, get yourself onto the Sports Ethos DFS Pass so you can ask the pros and see just where their minds are looking for this game as well. And keep engaging with us as we go into really the crunch time of the season leading into the playoffs. So good luck to everyone tonight and let's go and kill some GPPs.